Hi, Danielle. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> to, uh, wow, I think maybe session 11, maybe. Um, I like so, name. yeah, 11, 11. Um, so I think tonight what we decided to talk about based on probably uh, current events, but also events that have been leading over the last year, and I've been wondering why I haven't um, explored this um, up until this point, which is thinking about stress and um, various aspects of stress. So I think what we're going to look at tonight is because a lot of people are really aware that there's a, a full moon and it's a blood moon and that that has or people are aware that that, uh, that can have an influence on the way that they feel mm -hmm. and some people talk about what the significance of that is um so that's one of those sort of external factors that draws our attention that people are aware of at the moment and how that influences us on an internal level so what we decided to do tonight was look at how um different aspects that we're interested in like astrology psychology personality and environmental factors all um converge really uh to influence whether or not we manage to maintain a good state or we go into a stress state and then what happens when that happens and what the opportunities are at the moment um to explore what the meaning of that is and how we can manage those states and even get back into better states. And I think the moon in a way symbolizes um, that for us, that it can mean experiences that don't feel so good, but also increase the opportunity to have more and more abundance and experiences that do feel good. So do you want to say a little bit more about what the significance is for a lot of people around this current full moon, blood moon? Absolutely, because it is such a significant full moon. Not only are we looking at a super moon, which means that it's closer to Earth than it normally would be. So if we look at the moon as an energy, that just means energies are intensified. Mm -hmm. um, and we can really feel that when we're feeling the stress or some type of overwhelmed feeling. Um, and it's also a blood moon because it's our first eclipse of the season. So, um, you know, anytime you have a little bit of a trifecta of a moon like this, be it that full moon's energies are already, already big. They're already the culmination of everything you've been working on since the last new moon. So approximately two weeks. <clears throat> and then, you know, you add in it's the energy being larger because it's closer to earth. And then you're going to now eclipse this with the sun's energy. You're, you're really looking into some definite deepening of what the lessons were over the, the course of these two weeks. Now, I will say that I feel this is this full moon is a culmination of a longer journey that we've been taking that we're closing out inside of this super moon. And I only say that because this, this moon is, if you were to look at the astrology side of it, it's telling you that this moon is all about morals and ethics and something that you and I have spoken about Mel over the course of a few months is what are our values? What's our value system? What does it look like to us now versus where it was? 
And knowing that it only leads me to believe that we're closing out a larger cycle inside of this, you know, this two week pattern cycle that we're <clears throat> always inside of. And, um, you know, so when you're thinking about this, I would say that you're facing faith. Do you have faith in yourself? Do you have faith in a, a higher, you know, in a different power, higher power, however you want to express this faith in your friendships, faith in your family life, you know, and what triggers are you looking at to get into this? I am trustful. I am understanding. And I have faith that everything will work out for me now, not a lot of us are going to be really extreme inside of these stress, the, these stressors, because you are pulling out old triggers. You are pulling out the faith system and what can stress you out, not having faith, right? Not, not sure of what you're not sure if you can trust in what's happening next or trust in yourself or trust in the guidance of somebody that you, you hold dear. And those pull out those old those old morals and value system, you know, the, the ethics, you know, are they, are these aligned with my values that I see now? Am I being triggered because I still need to learn this lesson or is this a lesson that I've already learned? And so when you walk through these patterns in this, this cycle, you really have, especially in the, the super full moon energy, you have every exterior and interior reasons start to feel this stress because you're not the only one going through this. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a cycle within a cycle in a way, because you referred to what happened over the last of the uh, last couple of weeks. And we did a meditation and we talked about that at that time. And that smaller cycle sits within this much bigger cycle of possibly feeling that energy on a more intense level in a stronger way that might challenge us on a deeper level. And often, and we've talked about this before, that sometimes it feels like you're being challenged, really challenged on a deeper level and feeling some of those triggers. And like you say, you might think, gosh, didn't I sort this out last time? Why am I having this same issue? Why has this come up to remind me? And is it a reminder that you've done the work and you can put that to rest or it's the final remnants of that trigger? Mm -hmm. But I would imagine just like any other polarities is when the energy is intense on one side, it's equally as intense on the other side. So that if the triggers come up and we're experiencing the impact of that and it doesn't feel too good in that moment, if we apply um, our beliefs and value systems that enable us to uh, navigate this terrain, we can then open ourselves up to equally strong energy to start thinking about, okay, this is clearing, but again, similar to the last cycle, what can we bring in that is along the lines of what I really want to do, who I really am, what I enjoy, what do I want to manifest? So it's almost like the shadow and the light existing in tandem, isn't it? You know, the yeah. sun and the moon is the representation of light and dark. Exactly. See, I love that you said that. That's perfect. That's perfectly stated. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Okay. Well, it always fascinates me because on a psychological level, you know, we, we talk about the shadow, but there's this balance that we have to 
often maintain is sometimes people will veer more towards positive psychology, which is all about, you know, focusing on the good things and uh, doing things in a particular way. And it's all about eliciting the good feelings. And then that can lead people to believe that they shouldn't feel any of the other feelings that they're feeling or feel shameful that they still feel them. And then there's the other aspects of psychology, which is about delving deep into those recesses of our experience that sometimes are really obvious because of the relationships we're having with people around us that will indicate, you know, that uh, there's something that needs to be attended to. Sometimes it can be something quite small and sometimes we ignore some things and they get bigger. So we need to look at those, what can be considered as darker aspects in the psyche that are now, you know, the noise, we've talked about this before, the noise gets louder if we ignore that. So we're having to, it's almost like symbolic that, you know, an eclipse means that something is covering something else for that short moment of time, but the energy is so intense in that experience that we cannot not feel it. So even people who are potentially not into astrology, one of the reasons that we bring astrology, numerology, all of the different uh, aspects into the conversations that we're having is because um, they're different tools for helping people understand how mm. not everything we feel and not everything that goes on is actually because of us. Right. There is, you know, sometimes it's because of the environmental factors. So if I'm uh, like a lot of people say, if you're at home and you're feeling good and you meditate and you're really in a peaceful state and, you know, life has improved for you and then you go out and drive on the road uh, or go shopping, it doesn't take that long before you start to notice uh, feelings of irritation or annoyance or just downright anger at some of the things that happen around us. And uh, And I think maybe why it's become more, uh obvious to me now to look at this in a deeper way almost again like the the eclipse symbolizes is because as as with anything if we have felt uh scared and prevented from doing certain things and we've minimized our life somewhat and live in a simpler life because of the nature of the way things have been for the last year, that no matter what country you're in, you know, we've all been impacted by what's uh, going on to varying degrees. Some countries were completely shut down. Other countries have shut down partly and in other areas they haven't. Um, That will all, that external, those external decisions and those external factors will all influence the way that someone individually feels. But people have people's ways of managing that will vary according, as you rightly say, to their value system, uh, belief system, what they perceive is stressful and what's stressful to one person isn't stressful to someone else. So is there anything else uh, before we sort of look at what um, stress really is what's happening on a physical biological level and things around triggers and some of the ways to manage that that we can learn from the current eclipse and the the full moon and the blood moon that will help us um, understand it from an astrological perspective is there anything else right um I mean there is but it, it really does get into more of the details you know like uh the reason that we're in the faith is because Jupiter is squaring to the moon. Yeah. And anytime that happens, it just brings up some 
difficulties and and to and then we need to describe you know even deep more detail what square is and all of that so what yeah so at this point just know that you are literally entering the season of eclipse which means that the energies are going to be feel chaotic and you're going to have a lot of um deep-seated things come out and they're not always going to be a bad thing you can have a lot of positivity come from this and just but just know that the season has a lot of things out of bound or in, um, what is that called? Um, retrograde. Mm. And so whenever any of the planets energetically are sitting in a retrograde, they're sitting in a shadow side. And so you need to pay attention to, to what energies are working around you while you're dealing with this eclipse season. And that's a, I mean, that's one Google search away, um, (laughs) to just find out. And then you kind of have an idea of where you're at energetically and, you know, day to day or week to week, or even month to month. And it gives you an overall view of, to kind of prepare yourself. You know, that's really at the end of the day, what we're looking to do is just be prepared for yeah. what we cannot control. And, yeah. And, and so once we can prepare ourselves and take ownership of that, then we'll be able to weather any of the storms that come our way. Yeah. And I think that's how, even though I've had an interest in um, all of these different things that we talk about, and, you know, a lot of that is around astrology at the moment is what I was quite interested in. It's a bit like um, if we weren't talking about astrology, we could be talking about the weather and, you know, different people tell me how they feel when the sun comes out and that when the sun isn't out and they can't get out as much in the winter, that they think they've got SAD, you know, that the, the lack of sun is influencing their mood. Now, who knows what's influencing our mood because there's a whole range of factors, but just by me alone, understanding that the cyclical nature that we go through, I can, I can use that information um so i there's a couple of sites i go on and i really like the way they write and they write in the way that you've described which is this is what's coming up and happening around this time period and the influences normally indicate that you're going to possibly feel like this but it will vary according to sign to sign and so just getting an idea so for example i wrote it down this week and i looked at what it said about what how it wasn't going to influence me on different days so on the days where i wake up feeling a little bit you know either head heady or moody or you know and another day i wake up vibrant it is often matched you know kind of what's going on and they talk about astrologically so for one of my days it was saying you know there is a heaviness and a denseness this is what these planets represent the day after that was around creativity on the days where it says you're you're feeling really productive and when i've gone in my flow i've actually been quite productive so it's about harnessing that information and utilizing that so that we can and get i also out. like to test out my astrology sites and a lot of times yeah i like to walk i call it walking blindly so that i can create whatever day i want to have without this subconscious knowing of what my day should be yes, and then checking at the end of the day and yeah. giggling every time that it's in alignment to what my day really was. And sometimes I wish I would have looked at it earlier in the day. So, and so I, I just go back and forth on it, but yeah, for now, because we are entering such a, a you know, weird season, I've been checking my astrology first thing in the morning 
and then coming back to it in the, in the evening to see if it was in alignment or if somehow I burst through this, um, this consistent nature that's going on inside of the energies. And, and it's been really interesting. And I do recommend, you know, for people to try out whatever works for them. Mm. But astrology is one of the oldest, you know, psychological tools in the book, you know, we can use use this to to express energy from as far as you can remember. But I do know that we're here to talk about something other than that beautiful moon of ours. And (laughs) I'm actually really excited to talk about this because stress is something that every human experiences, you know, if not once a day, at least once in their lifetime. And it's really good to find these ideas that not only allow us to be aware that we are physically, mentally, or emotionally stressed and what those triggers are. And uh, that's just, you know, we deserve to know these things. And then to have these quick fix ideas while you're focusing Mm. and and clearing the space to let go and move into a new version so that these types of things aren't stressing you, but it allows, you know, it, it just giving these quicker fix not fixed, but these ways to hold the space that aren't so traumatic during the experience. Um, I'm really excited to talk about all of this today. Yeah. And I think you're right. It is, you know, some, a lot of the things we talk about are experiences that pretty much every human's going to have, but their perspective of that will be what varies and their methods for either ignoring, challenging it or, or managing that. And, one of the reasons I was interested in like the conversations that we've had around say what's going on with the moon cycle and astrology is because there's also a danger that for some people, they might think that everything that they're experiencing is totally down to them. You know, it's all internal and we're often told, you know, change your beliefs, change your thoughts, change, change your life. But there are external factors that influence the way we feel And the weather will do that. The astrology, you know, in terms of what's happening with the moon Mm -hmm. cycle and the energies from that will influence that. So will pollution. You know, if I if I'm going into London for the day, I certainly have a different experience just being around pollution for the day. It affects how my my lungs work. You know, it affects. And and then there's noise pollution on top of just noise pollution, environmental pollution. And that in itself is hard for people who are sensitive in that way as well. And I think that sensitivity has potentially evolved for a lot of people that some people have seen this as a real opportunity that as they've, whether they've worked from home or not, but because they've not had access to all the usual things that people can do of a night or at a weekend with their kids or with their friends or whatever, is that they've spent more, more time at home uh, than they ever would have done. But which is great in a lot of senses. But then when you go back out into the world, the world can seem like somebody's turned the volume up and right, everything sounds completely foreign. Yeah. Wow. And so now the but and what happens is, you know, we don't necessarily know on a conscious level why we're now starting to feel a bit disconcerted because it can be subtle feelings. So there's a there's quite a few elements before we look at what stress actually is for mm-hmm. people to consider. So if we're having a particular experience, one of the reasons that me and you talk so much about, you know, uh, having some tools to manage or even if you're practicing yoga or meditation, 
Um, it's not really just about practicing that. It's about knowing what it feels like to be completely still and what peace feels like, because you're much a more able to identify when that changes, what might have caused that change. So if you're feeling really calm and happy and then, you know, the most common example is you walk into a room and you start to feel a completely different way. You can kind of, in a lot of cases, realize that you've walked into a room where there's either lots of unspoken stuff and people aren't being honest or there's a lot of anger, you know, and you might sense that. And we talked on another um, show about, you know, sensitive people. Mm-hmm. Um, so stress is a word that is is really common now just like we're using a lot more language within mental health. So a lot of people might say, oh, I'm really stressed and this is, you know, uh, and we might think we have a shared understanding about what that is. What's interesting about uh, stress, it's probably one of the easiest things to understand in terms of how we are made up biologically as human beings and what what this is actually, this is a process that is a protective factor for us to um, exist within our environment. So fundamentally, as humans, you know, we we need to find somewhere warm that's got a roof over um, that dwelling and we can go out and search for food and we can manage our environment and our brains and sort of innate radar that we have without even thinking about it is set up to protect us and keep keep the species um, uh, evolving. And so stress has always provided, a lot of people in, in the sort of psychology field see this as something that we've had for eons, you know, and it's provided us with a, a way of, without thinking about it, reacting to whatever the situation is. So one of the easiest ways I explained what was going on for people, because when I was working with young people or parents or uh, or adults, is whatever they were experiencing, what I've often found was helpful is to help them understand basically how their body works mm. and how their mind works. And once they realized that they were natural processes, they didn't have to beat themselves up for having responses to things that were perfectly natural because they're just feeding the information is coming in you see but it was just the the mechanism for managing that information was a bit faulty and it needed to adapt and it needed to be upgraded it's been like upgrading your computer system so stress itself is so we just had a little break there because right on point um as we were talking about stress Danielle's uh, dogs were um, in the corner, uh, stressing her out. So <laughs> they can't help but get right in my face at the perfect timing, at the perfect time. breathing heavy and staring direct directly at me <laughs> saying, um, I need to go outside right now. Yeah. Okay. So, I just took you out, but okay. <laughs> so, um, so we always have uh, an opportunity everything is an opportunity to actually give us an example. And that was a live example of what happens when you're either, you know, a lot of people will be on an online meeting like what we're doing now and trying to concentrate on what people are saying. And they've got to the meeting on time and they've logged on and the camera is working. And then all you need um, is for the dog to be looking up at you or, you know, or nudging you to open the door or your child runs in, 
from school unexpected, you know, at that time. Or there's a knock on the door. The common one for me at the moment is I won't name the company that I order from most of the time, um, but they bring parcels to the door right when I'm in the middle of speaking at a meeting. And because I'm sat near the window, they can see me, so I can't ignore them. And um, so I'm either going to have to build a home office somewhere completely different. But but these are sort of everyday occurrences Mm -hmm. that we've got to manage. And so in that moment, I can... Uh, I can be really relaxed and calm and I'm used to talking and having meetings over Zoom or uh, Teams and then something comes along that I'm not expecting Mm. and I have a physiological response to it as well as a mental response because I'll have thoughts going through my head. Now, because it's not from my perspective a a big stressor, it would have been had it been a new job it would have been had it been the first time I'd started working from home. But what I've already had is several of these occasions and I've managed to deal with it and managed to laugh it off with colleagues because everybody else is having the same thing in their houses. So we're, we're all experiencing that thing. But in terms of what's happening in that moment. So as you were sat there, um, you were feeling calm because we'd done the meditation and you were breathing calmly and you were feeling relaxed and you were feeling at peace. But what happens is your, your system senses that there's something in your environment that needs to, you need to respond to. Now in your environment, you're in your house and you feel safe and that you've become aware that there's something demanding your attention. Now, Uh, initially at first we might try and manage that by ignoring it um, and or pausing what we're doing and responding to that now one of the things I used to teach the kids that I was working with is really what stress is is if you imagine back in cave man or women days um, you come out of the cave and your cave is your symbolic of your safe space where you live and you've got to go out in search of food and Um, you're on that journey and you know dinosaurs uh, are around somewhere so you're kind of aware you've been discerning about whether to take that action or not but you've got you're going out and you've got to get food anyway a dinosaur jumps out in front of you or a lion or a tiger or something and the, the the thing that happens without us even thinking about it is our body and our brain goes into action straight away Mm -hmm. so the stress response is really when the body releases the chemicals that shifts us into what we know as fight or flight um but there is a third one so this fight which is most cavemen might not have taken on a dinosaur i mean i guess it depends on the caveman right (laughs) exactly and but if it was not a dinosaur and it was a person you know, they might have not gone into flight, they might have gone into fight. So somehow our brain can discern in less than a second um, what the response is going to be. So he'll be, he'll, she'll be responding to, you know, uh, to what's appeared. The whole system gets flooded with these chemicals because the chemicals are designed to activate the muscles so that you can move. And all your attention and and all of those processes are drawn towards that activation process. So what that means is we move out of the thinking brain and we go into the back of the brain, the amygdala, 
And the amygdala is where all of these processes take place, which is why they talk about it being the sort of prehistoric brain, really, because mm -hmm. that's the brain that, you know, uh, originally evolved. Once you, you so you're either going to run like like a lot, you know, to get out the way of this danger or you might fight depending on how you discern that in that moment. The other one that can happen is that you end up just lying down and rolling over. Now, dogs can do this. So where it looks like you're dead or asleep, but it's another method. And, and this has been something that's come up in research uh, where when it's prolonged stress, um, the body can stop managing the constant excitement or arousal their experiences and it might be that then people go into sleepy mode into depressed mode into giving up mode and i've seen this in some of the services i've worked in um where people just end up sort of just um just managing just performing but they're not really alive you know they're it's surviving it's surviving yeah. So stress really is the body's way of responding to any kind of demand or threat. So that's kind of what's going on at the time. So when, when we sense danger, we're not necessarily cognitively aware of that, but our system is. So whether that danger is real or imagined, now this is where it gets interesting because I've given a, an example. Well, it would have been real back then. Now it might be you're crossing the street and you know, you've looked around and no cars are coming and all of a sudden a car jolts out from somewhere that wasn't expected. So that's a real situation. So your brain is perceiving something that's actually happening. The body defences kick into gear and you then activate that um, response, that uh, stress response. And it's so that initially is the way that the body protects you. They're all normal working processes. Mm -hmm. If that didn't happen, we'd be in a lot more danger. Yeah. It helps sharpen the focus. And in emergency situations, stress can actually save your life and other people's lives. Um, yeah. And it's the thing that makes us slam our foot on the brakes. You know, somehow yeah. our brain perceives really quickly that, that we're at risk of uh, having a car smash or something like that. So it makes us uh, respond really quickly. Yeah, it also this weekend I um, was walking across the street and I had looked both ways, but I guess because the cars were lined parked in the street, it was just perfect. And I missed it. And wow. I, I went to step out and I had, you know, as you step out, you tend to look to the left. Right. Yeah. And so I, I looked and there's a car right there. Wow. And it slams on its brakes. And I just stopped because I had, I wouldn't have stepped far enough out to have been hit, but if I had continued that step, I would have, and I just froze and the guy froze and we just look at each other and he waves me on, you know, since you're out in the middle of the street anyway. And so, of course, I'm slightly embarrassed and I just giggle and wave at the guy really big, thanking him and just carry on my lovely way. Um, but I did feel the heart race and I felt the, you know, the that fight or flight come out of me in that moment, which yeah. was, you know, are you going, are you, how are you going to face the situation? And then afterwards, how are you going to relax? what just happened because I wasn't necessarily scared, but it was one of those moments of, Oh, wow, that's right there. And I could have stepped right into it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the sort of thought process that comes afterwards, isn't it? Even though it feels like it's all happening at the same time, what your body has responded to is that split second, uh, response to what it thought was going to happen, which is 
you have to stand still. It's acknowledge a car. And the two things have happened in tandem. Now, in terms of what happens next is what it can often trip people up. So your body's getting all of that. Uh, your body's getting sharp and alert and focusing and responding to what's happening in the moment. And so that's when stress um, rises up to help us meet those challenges. And it keeps us on our toes. So like presentations at work, um, going for a job interview, other things that we're doing, some people might avoid because they feel a bit stressed or a bit anxious, but actually it's it's sharpening us up and it and it can get things going. But when you if we've got frequent bouts of stress and a bit like the example I gave today, if depending on how, how I perceive it, it can feel as real and, and um, in, uh, overwhelming as the experience of you walking out and there's a car that's just nearly hit you. Um, that is strong in the moment, but what we also can have is accumulative stress. So if every day you're dealing with either you're living in an environment which is stressful, so either an abusive partner, physically or emotionally abusive, and you've been spoken to in a particular way and every day is difficult, then that will um, equally uh, release the same chemicals in the body. But what happens over time is you can start to become it's not like it's ever normalized because that it, that can become your normality but over time um the system sort of then gets into a sort of weird homeostasis so you're not relaxed because you can't relax in those environments and you're not in the stress mode like what you were in and so what we found uh when we were looking at this a few years ago is a proportion of children who grow up in environments that are like that, their stress response is something that is activated on a continuous level because um, they are going to be hyper-focused and hyper-alert because the body has now created that as a uh, system to help them manage that environment. Now, for everybody else who um, may have you know, had fairly average upbringings, the usual stresses that come in will be either to do with the big stuff like get married because, you know, that can be good for uh, feel good for people. But equally, there's lots to organize mm -hmm. um, and there's several things happening at the same time. Going for a new job, you can be excited about that, but equally stressed because can I do it? You know, what's it going to be like on my first day? All of that. Starting a new school, leaving home, all mm -hmm. of those. Yeah, moving all of those things will cause some level of um, stress. But if you're aware that it's perfectly okay to feel like that during those times, then you'll be riding with, with the experience of that. It's when you start to fight it or go, why am I feeling stressed? And then you can get into another cycle that's going along with the stress. What people don't necessarily realize, it's the smaller stresses that often we'll just manage from day to day running from here to there always constantly be on the go different people ringing us at different times people calling up the constant manage managing of these different aspects of our lives so stress is really we, we can understand it from a biological level and what's happening for the person when they experience it and it is a true experience because when if you measured it heart rate does go up 
we do get a dry mouth we can feel tension and we can feel this flood i i can actually feel when the uh adrenaline and cortisol is actually flooding my system oh, wow. and then they can um they can experience that on several levels but then it's about when we now are out of the danger zone so the dinosaur has walked away has drove off the boss has walked away from your desk you're not got anyone knocking on your door now and you're going back to peace when we when those dangerous signals that our brain's picking up on start to go it's then our perception of what's happened that can either help us navigate it better and move back into the calm zone and and that sometimes takes practice if you're not used to it. Yeah, especially especially if you are like what you said, if you grew up in an environment where you live in this different homeostasis, where your your homeostasis is some yeah. people's, you know, stress beyond belief. It just you know just depends on what your levels are. But yeah, you know, stress is it's there with purpose. And it's yet another experience that you, you can't run away from. You can only guide yourself inside of. And when we talk about, um, you know, the stress, uh, how do you, how you come out of it? What are the steps that you take once you realize, Hey, I'm in a stressful situation. You know, my body's reacting. I'm feeling reactive. What is it that, you know, works for me in the past to walk myself down because we don't want this stress to turn into anxiety. And we don't want the anxiety to turn into attack and we don't want the anxiety attack to be a long run that turn leads into depression. You know, you want these to be yeah. aware so that you can say, okay, is this stress something that's in my control or out of my control? If aspects of it are in my control, what can I do to, to lessen what feels like stress inside of that? Mm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's stress is such a, a broad Thing. It can happen under almost any circumstance. Well, we'll have, um, like you were talking before about triggers. So I've, you know, been in this field in psychology in some way, working in mental health for over 30 years. Now, I manage my stress much better now, but there are some things I'm vulnerable to. Mm -hmm. I've got some weak spots. So no matter how adept you are and how much you understand yourself, once we realize that these are normal way, normal experiences that all human beings have, and I think your point about we might feel anxiety or depression or this is what happens either, we can misinterpret um, some other experiences for stress when actually we should be getting stressed about it because of some circumstances that actually, why wouldn't we get upset, irritated, angry and stress because somebody's walked over our boundaries or um, they've done things, you know, that, that um, is violent or disrespectful or abusive, you know, then yes, you're, you're going to feel those other things. You're going to be anxious around that person. Now you, if you ignore that a lot, you can turn that inward and end up uh, being depressed. So there are, it, it's one is saying it's a normal experience that a lot of humans can go through. And we will, to some degree, every time we do the big change stuff, experience that. So for me, I might love the idea of moving 
and only just this week because I've been thinking about moving for ages I then thought oh god that means changing all the uh, utility companies and packing the furniture up and and then the idea of that was just like too much but sometimes people don't have a choice they've got to move they've got they've got to change the job they've got to do something so the first thing I often used to say to people if this is a stress stressful experience that you need to go through that you can't avoid first of all you recognize that it's normal to feel like that two is you then do what you need to do but put in uh, put in time slots of respite so if it's not constant even if you are moving or you're going through a divorce or there are big changes you've got to then find places in the day where you can uh, not think about that or relieve yourself of that stress mm -hmm. so you've got to think it, it can't be 24 7 and sometimes some things are 24 7 in the short term because you've got to get over that hurdle. So if it's like that, then it's thinking about, okay, what are my vulnerabilities? Where am I more likely to feel stress? And this is where now it's down to perception. And so I remember listening, I don't know if it was Bruce Lipton actually, that talks about the biology of belief and a couple of other the, um, authors I've listened to that, that look at stress. They look at it as a biological level and we have to take responsibility for how we experience life because if we don't stress will over the longer term affect our immune system um it makes it easier for us to uh, get illnesses and not recover as quickly it can affect our mental health moods our anxiety it's and we're also not the nicest people to be around if we are stressed you know so we have to take responsibility if it's if it's a short-term stress where something's happening at the moment and it will be over by next weekend or something, we can plan for that and we can put in, execute that plan according to what supports us the best. So we have people around us that can bring takeaways rather than us cooking or um, someone helps us with the packing rather than us doing everything. So we can create a plan for that. And then there's a longer term plan is what kind of person am I? So what are the kind of things that are going to trigger me? So once you're out of the stress mode and you've got the heightened flooding going through your system, once you start to calm down again and you've got a bit of space and time, then it's thinking about what are the kind of uh, weak spots I've got. Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, if I was working from home and someone knocked at the door delivering a parcel, I'd have felt really stressed because I'd have felt really judged by all my colleagues. What's What's been interesting this year is every meeting I've been on, some manager or other, and these are people high up and, you know, different facets of work, I've had to cope with either a child disturbing the meeting or a dog barking or somebody knocking on the door, that it's become... We, we don't purposely get them to knock on the door at that time or the child to disrupt, right. but it's become something that we're just accepting is happening because we're trying to work from home. So there's a bit more understanding now that people are trying to juggle many different things. Yep. Um, and as well as trying to juggle something that is out of our control to some degree. And I think that's the other key point you made, because one of the facets of depression is the level of control we, we perceive ourselves to have. 
So if we're supporting somebody that's depressed, we've got to give them some level of control um, in making decisions around having control over some things. So that can be choices about where where they go for appointments or, you know, depending how deep the depression is, the clothes that they wear or something, because we can't make all the decisions for them because this is about control. But we can't control the weather, you know, we can, and we can't control necessarily what's happening with um, with the moon cycles. Mm-hmm. But what we can do, like what you said earlier, if I know I'm vulnerable to particular experiences that might create stress for me. So for me, it's if I've got, say, meetings back to back and they're all on completely different subjects. What I've got to do is put a bit of planning in place, mm-hmm. keynotes that I make, and that helps me manage those situations better. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. things we can wing it on and something's really in order yeah. to be successful. And if, you know, the goal is to, to lower the levels of stress in your life, you know, you know, part of that is to be prepared and yes. you can't just wing it through every aspect of our existence as nice as it would be. You know, sometimes you have really busy days. And for me, if I have compounding days where I have I have to be here and I have to do this and I have to be there afterwards. And then I have this meeting and then I got to go and do that. It can, it can feel very overwhelming to me. Now, one thing I realize is that part of that is the scheduling of it. You know, I need Mm -hmm. to give myself, you know, the space in between so that I know that I'm not a hot mess by the end of the day. And it allows myself to align back into my natural homeostasis without having to you know, I can, I can decompress in those shorter amount of times. Yeah. And I, I noticed that you several years ago to focus on the planning of that day so that if yeah. you do have a day that, because you can't control all the aspects of that, you might, everything might've just landed on that day. Cause that was the day everything needed to happen. Um, but if you plan for that day and you give yourself, I, and I don't mean down to the minute, but you know, some, a grasp on the reality of what that day is going to be. I noticed that the stress levels went down. It didn't Mm. feel as, you know, I got to do this right now. I had kind of, you know, knowing that I had put it in the maps, uh, you know, Google maps and looked through that, you know, this is a 30 minute drive, which means that I need to leave, leave here by now at this time. So I'm not stressed out if say there's an accident on the highway or that I hit every red light on the way Mm. there. I can give myself an extra five minutes and then I can prepare myself before I walk in the door to be back in alignment to what feels natural to me. And, you know, so it's like, as you had said, stated earlier throughout the day, finding little places to, Mm. to de-stress, to defragment, to get back into an alignment with who you are. It's a game changer. And even at home, you know, here in the States, a lot of people have gone back to school Well, now we're hitting summer break for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're adding in the stressors of having children and, uh, you know, they're a wonderful blessing, but let's be very clear. Children can stress you all the way out that, you know, Mm -hmm. you, I have my youngest, um, he's just big emotion and that a big emotion includes big temper tantrums Mm -hmm. and when we have those big temper tantrums the whole house gets included and so (laughs) it's it's fun for everybody and so (laughs) and so I'm learning that that was a trigger for me inside of my stress but I cannot control Mm -hmm. his emotional reaction all I can do is for myself you know put on my oxygen mask first and say this child is not doing this to me 
this child is simply experiencing an overwhelming moment or a stressful moment that he needs to work through. And as the adult, I need to put myself back into a place that I can calmly speak to this child or find a a way for this child to be distracted so that that part of his brain kind of settles out long enough for him to say, oh, I just got overworked for a second. Um, but and I think that's a really key point that you make, which is you recognize that that external stressor, you know, of because I'm not sure how many parents love love the tantrums to hear their kids oh, scream. Just the best. <laughs> <laughs> so the external stressor activates your stress. But what you've already recognized is you have to um, calm yourself down and get into a space. So by organizing your day in a particular way and thinking about those time periods or time blocks and the breaks between them gives you that bit of respite and then when that happens you're able to self-talk and say yes I'm feeling stress I'm feeling my body being flooded by all these chemicals my brain is now currently going haywire I'm feeling overwhelmed but the next part of the self-talk is you know he he's not doing it to me so that's your perception mm-hmm. it's he he's not doing it to you he's having this experience that he's struggling with our role as parents is to help them manage their experience better and soothe them to a place that over time they can arrive at quicker and some kids will experience that more than others in terms of you know the meltdowns but the moment you start as as a parent and i you know we've all done this of oh no it's you know we were due to go to the shops to get the shop in and he's having a meltdown and I've got to fit this in and I've got to do it today and then I've got to go and see Auntie Gloria and I've got to post this letter and then we'll get flooded with flooded with all the to-do things Mm -hmm. and at that moment and that certainly something happens to me is sometimes my desk just looks like I've had a cyclone in here (laughs) and all the bits of paper literally flying everywhere which actually happened today oh that's funny but I can't at the time, but (laughs) well, (laughs) yeah, because it it sort of starts to symbolize how, how cyclonic my brain starts to feel at some points. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've now recognized that because I understand the stress and how it works. And so then sat back because I had a break of about 10 minutes for the next meeting, which isn't a big amount of time, but enough time to get a drink of water sit back and breathe and And then I Mm -hmm. it takes some practice and then look at all the piles of paper that I had and thought you know as long as I've got a word on there that indicates to me what the hell I've wrote on each piece of paper I can sort it out later so the next decision is what do we need to do right now so first of all your body gets flooded you feel all those strong experiences then it's Am I in danger? Is it a crisis? If so, run or fight or freeze. That's perfectly normal. Once you get some semblance of orientating yourself back into where you are, you know, ground myself, what do I need to do in this situation? So in the example you gave about the car is you acknowledged each other as being okay. Mm -hmm. Neither of you screamed at each other because you could have done that and both gone into a higher stress mode. And you, that would have still been part of the same fight or flight response. And with your son, you know, when, when a child kicks off at home and they're going through their experience, it's a, it's a slightly different uh, 
thing that's happening, but it's still activating the same triggers and the same stress response. But you might be able to pull it together quicker. So over time as parents, what we have to try and master is the possibility that the dog can come in, the child can scream, the kettle can stop working, the postman doesn't bring whatever at the whatever time. So we can have a facet of our life organized. And I certainly agree. Um, I, I tend to think a month ahead. I plan pretty much every Sunday what I definitely need to have sorted that week. So for me this week, it's the car, get some medication that I'm due, take some parcels back. As long as I do those three things or five things, that's great. I feel like I've actually, you know, achieved something as well as the things I have to do with work. But I'll also be looking at, and I've said this to a colleague now because I'm trying to help her think in the same way, is we were putting meetings back to back and I said to her, I can't function like that. So it's also recognising our needs. I said, I need at least downtime of half an hour between each person that we're going to see. And it gives us a chance to talk over what's happened. We're not doing everything retrospectively. And if I wait for five hours, I'll be so done in that I won't, uh, the people won't get the benefit of the time that we've all just spent together. So it's already of let's put half an hour or 40 minutes between each of these really intense activities that we're going to do throughout the day. And I won't plan doing anything that evening because by that stage, I would just want to kick off my shoes and relax and, you know, and listen to music or watch the TV. So the planning part and the organizational part are two functions I use really regularly. Um, a setting up a framework in which I can manage. So it's not about getting so controlling that you're controlling your life and you're not even ready for any eventuality because Be prepared. it's been prepared. And also once we know ourselves a little bit better, we can allow ourselves to be in flow so that mm-hmm. when those things happen, they don't, they don't shoot us to the moon, you know, in terms of reactions. Right. Um, some things always will dangerous things should, and always will. And it's how we recover from that. But it's the recovery I've noticed that really is the key because your body is designed the way it's designed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we can see in the fight or flight that you are, it's a natural response system. Yeah. Uh, It's, you know, how we recover afterwards. You know, I had a, a person I know, um, broke into my house twice in a month period of time. And, uh, one of those was watching me from a dark corner and this happened over this past year. And of course, obviously my first response inside my home with my children Mm -hmm. is fight. I'm not running anywhere. I'm this my home and, uh, it's get out of my home. You're not welcomed here. I'm calling nine one one. I'm calling the police, um, settled it, everything left. But then I noticed that my response system was still triggered and I needed to be able Mm -hmm. to relax myself back into a comfortable state because I'm again, inside of my home and my children are here. Mm -hmm. And so I did take note that number one, that was completely out of my control. I couldn't have planned for that. I couldn't have expected that. I couldn't have imagined that to have happened. Mm -hmm. However, What I did know was based off interactions, this person has been having some mental fluctuations Mm -hmm. inside of themselves. And um, 
although the thought crossed my mind, what if, you know, this happens again and it escalates, mm-hmm. it just made me say, okay, these certain things are out of my control. I'm going to lock up better. I'm going to make sure the cameras are on, you know, I'm going to, uh, just be and make sure I'm informing the other adults in this house. And, and then, you know, the kids are already on a certain rule that they, you know, we don't have the kids like answering the door and letting Mm -hmm. people in to to have a lot of kids and these kids are wild sometimes. But, um, what I noticed what, what in that, and knowing that was a breakthrough moment for me was that would have sent me spinning out. Mm. I would have done everything that I knew to do to just to calm and feel protected inside of that. Uh, and that would have taken me to certain extremes to get there. Instead, I was able to walk myself down through effective breathing. I meditated mm-hmm. that, that morning, you know, I realized that even though it felt like I was in danger in, in that moment, I wasn't in danger in that moment. And, and that was able to help me release those additional energies that were stuck inside my body saying, you know, this is danger, danger, danger. Mm. And, and allowed me to kind of calm that down, um, and know that everything was going to be okay because now I have a plan. And so I activated that plan, you know, for the, what if, and that way I didn't have to sit inside of the, what if zone. Okay. So if it did, here we go, that's it. There's a plan. Now I'm done. Let's walk forward. That seemed yeah. to help when I got that done. Yeah. So you're talking about um, sort of safety planning and risk planning. So it's a similar approach that we'll use in different services. So for eventualities like that, for example. So the car scenario, you can risk plan as in make sure your brakes are working, you know, make sure you're a safe driver, make sure you're vigilant and you, your focus is on the road, then you're less likely, you know, you reduce the risks right. um, by the things that you've taught. Crossing the street. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the things that you can do to reduce the risks and, and haphazard sort of haphazardness in any aspects of life um, isn't always going to be useful to us. But when there are scenarios like that, you know, then we're relying on different uh, different things in the system and and people. But the safety and risk planning is okay. What are the kind of so this isn't like um, there's a there's a process in in therapy that they talk about catastrophization, and it isn't that because this is realistically this is something that happened, and so you're planning for the eventuality a bit like if you're working with the environment. A lot of environmental agencies have a plan in case there's a flood or a plan if there's a fire or mm-hmm. you know uh, there's a pandemic. You know what happens next, so planning is really useful and preparation is really useful and especially if like you say the vulnerability in this case isn't necessarily you the vulnerability is you know if you live in a particular environment where the houses are further apart and you know it's making those considerations I remember a policeman telling me a few years ago I thought having a bit of a wild front garden wasn't an issue and he said no when it comes to people who are sussing out where to go in the neighborhood they might choose somebody that's got an overgrown garden because they'll think it's an older person living on their own and so they're more vulnerable so it's how do you how, how do you make sure that you're um 
you know, that you're taking those things into account. So that's an external factor. And the internal factors are what do we believe about any situation that we're in? So like I said, with meetings, if, you know, if you're going to work and you have a boss that you don't get on with and they talk to you in a particular way and therefore that can inhibit you from asking for help or saying what you don't know something and one of the biggest things I've seen with a lot of professionals I work with they really struggle to admit when they don't know something now not knowing something or thinking that you're imposter because there's imposter syndromes that people seem to experience a lot as well is they're the internal dialogues that go around you know I've been in this field for all this time and, you know, and I don't even know the answer to this question. Therefore, this means X. And that can activate um, early childhood experiences of what happens if you don't know something, you know, what's the consequence of that? Or it can activate uh, shame because what happens if people find out something about you that um, you would otherwise want to hide and shame is quite a big factor in a lot of stress yes it is yeah Yeah. or what happens if they realize I don't like the same things or believe the same things and I saw this happening a lot with teenagers that I work with when they got to about 15 they've been all following the same music wearing the same clothes and I remember young girls coming to me and saying I don't even know if I like that music I don't even really like those clothes so the stress for them was moving out of being in the in the group the popular group whatever the group is and starting to own who they really were as young women and it was mostly women I work with and then young men growing up so how were they then able to claim what they liked and the stress was and in in quite a few cases you won't belong to this group anymore unless you conform to the standards that are in this group Mm. so now the stress was well you're acting or behaving differently so therefore we're not sure that you can be a part of this Mm -hmm. so now it's a cultural stress and a group stress Mm -hmm. so these are all um all different examples and there are probably many more but the process of that is the same another stressor (laughs) yeah i don't know if uh, people can hear this on the recording that zoom has actually given us a voice that every time we pause or um or press play it tells us that we're recording or not recording um, so this is another thing we were expecting tonight, isn't it? <laughs> it feels so fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you manage this new thing that we didn't know was going to happen in the process of us doing what we've been doing for the last few weeks? I just want to so, know if we can mute it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know if we can stop it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm currently not sure if that is in our control. It may well be in our control but again it's it's another example of something that just happens that we weren't planning for and expecting and now we're having a response to it so you're you're aware and I'm aware that these things have happened a few times when we we've been um doing these podcasts um so what happens now so I felt the stress you know I feel irritation quite quickly because I don't know why but I don't like the sound of the voice that is on there I can feel that in my system but because I'm not in danger and that's the difference I know I'm not in danger it's just an irritating gnat Mm -hmm. as we've talked about in earlier shows um I my brain can comprehend that quite quickly one of the things that 
is useful for people to understand is if they've been in a constant state of stress or they have grown up in environments where um, that stress has been a factor, the capacity to make sense of things quite quick takes a bit of work mm -hmm. if you're used to getting overwhelmed and confused really easily it can be an indicator that either you've got some you've got some work to do and it's about applying consistent tips that we can share um, or you might need to get a bit of help so that you can work through some of those things with somebody else to say every time this happens I notice this I, I get confused, I feel overwhelmed and I can't sort of snap out of it. And sometimes people can get locked into that state. Yeah. If they're getting locked into that state, that emotional arousal is actually much higher than probably it needs to be. So yeah. it's about what do you deploy? Now, one of the things that we did learn from research is that um, even with children that had grown up in environments like that, that were uh, all, you know, stressful a lot of the time, is that when you then start to create a loving, accepting, secure environment, it might take time, but at some point the system gets used to that. So they get used to being accepted and acknowledged and, and loved. it does take time. And therefore, yeah. Because I was one of the kids that grew up with distress. And so I used to be, you know, very demanding, you know, because we can't have over control of yes. things. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, and if I had a time set to arrive somewhere and heaven forbid that timing is not working out, it would send me into this anxiety ridden, stressful mm -hmm. moment where then I would take it out on the person I was with, you know, like if you would have just done this, or if you would have turned here when I told you to, which, yeah. you know, looking back, of course, but yeah. And so it, it but being in the relationship I'm in now it took several years for me to calm that, that part of me. Um, but it came because I, not a lot be of that automatic. came because do what? Not to be automatic. Right. Yeah. Right. To, to stop and, and know that I was safe and I was secure in the stressful mm. moment. And did it really matter if I was three minutes late? Probably not. Probably not even a little bit. People probably weren't even going to notice. In fact, and so to, to be, um, you know, in a safe, secure environment where it allowed me to acclimate into this, these new levels that I could be at, because I didn't have to sit in that stressful state. It was, it, it took some time, but it really did. That does work. Um, you know, going uh, from a high stress person who, you know, just the alarm going off would stress me out into now taking things in in a slower pace it really has changed in it but it took time to acclimate my body my physical body into the same knowing that my mental body knew because my physical body was still reacting that way even though mentally i knew that this wasn't yeah a situation that i needed response. to yeah i didn't need to perceive yeah. it as stressful yeah and i think you indicate there and i think it's important for us to highlight this general stress you know, that can be really high according to those situations I talked about earlier. But for some people where stress is actually PTSD and their arousal levels are so extreme that they can't shift out of that state, that's when it's often helpful then for them to get some support mm -hmm. because sometimes it's about reducing the emotional arousal because what that does is then creates that state of confusion and locked in feeling. Mm -hmm. So 
it's when you start moving out of the locked in feeling and sometimes people need some assistance literal assistance to do that is yeah. you then with the repetitive cycle of the of the um actions that you deploy so one of the things that's actually been emerging more lately is if you're feeling really stressed and you know i might get i've been stressed a couple of times this week you get up and you do something it's the actual movement of shaking out your system that that stops you from feeling so stuck or frozen and some people can get into that frozen state the other one is um we talked very early on about how it activates the stress response. One of the ways to deactivate the stress response is to activate the peace response, the calm response. And that is actually just through starting to do that breathing. And I think when we first started talking, you talk, I think you talked uh, that you do five, five, five breathing. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Five count in five count, hold five count release three times, five, five, five three times and so and three times seems to be the indicator of how long it takes for the system to start moving now it depends how much you've deployed any of these actions in the past if they're all quite new to you Mm -hmm. it's not that they're not working it's just that you've got a bit of work to do because we can't we can't erase 20 30 40 years of responding in a particular way and if like the example you're giving where you just would be triggered really quickly and react without having a second thought about what happens next and you project all of that anger and frustration everything onto somebody else then that's a bit more work to do if you're doing that if you're not aware of that if you're aware of that and you're taking steps to think and breathe before reacting then you're, you know, in a different phase. And then for some of the things like I described that say happen to me on a day-to-day basis, then the planning and the organizational stuff comes in. But I think the breathing, learning how to breathe, noticing how you are breathing because your breathing will change when you're stressed. I had a habit years ago of holding my breath. I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was actually cutting myself off from oxygen for fairly, you know, chunks of time until you'd have to take a chunk of yeah a, a breath in I, yeah. I do the same thing. It's like the little kid that holds their breath until they turn blue because they're so mad you know it's 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 a lot like that but you don't even realize that your body's automatically and you're like oh my god I haven't how long has it been since I took a breath and it feels like you're gasping you know for air and yeah it's just definitely and I we've been talking about like the extreme side of it which would be you know if this is a pattern that you are, you know, you get into this frozen pattern where you can't seem to break out of this stress and you go, you need, you know, therapy is definitely, you know, I would 100% recommend a therapeutic service, even if it's not long-term, but long enough for you to unwind that ball of yarn, you know, that messy ball and turn it into something that you can understand. Um, but there's also just simple stressors and there's that method that I think it's, it's called halt H A L T. And you have to ask yourself a a couple of questions. Am I hungry? Am I, what is it? It's hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And just even stopping yourself to ask those questions is almost like the equivalent of saying, I'm going to take a deep breath real quick. Am Mm -hmm. I hungry? Am I angry? Do I feel lonely? 
or am I tired and just need a 20 minute nap? Mm -hmm. And if you can get rid of a, a couple of the, the hunger, especially, you know, grab your, there's something about a nap and a, a little bit of food that will change your life. If you're angry, let's find the, well, why let's, let's mm -hmm. focus on that instead of the big stress ball that I'm receiving as a whole. Do I feel lonely in this? Is this what's causing my stress that, oh no, you know, like this is, this is that, you know, that, that moment of doom upon me. Mm -hmm. And I'm so stressed out over this moment of doom. And then I realize, oh, maybe I'm just, I'm feeling lonely right now because I don't have somebody to talk to, mm -hmm. or maybe I'm feeling lonely because when I did speak up, that person wasn't as actively listening as I thought. So, you know, that could trigger that stress response. And if you kind of get those basic needs out of the way, it becomes easier to prioritize the rest of it. That's really key point as well, actually, basic needs. So there's an organization I was doing some work with a few years ago, and that's what they looked at with every client that came through the door, no matter what they were experiencing. And they talked about human givens. So what are the needs that we have as humans? A need for connection, a need for food, a need for water, a need for um, recognition, you know, a need for validation, a need for attention. Mm -hmm. And what is one of the things that teachers will often say, I don't know about the US, but in the UK, when a child starts acting up, oh, they just want attention. Well, actually, that's what kids are meant to do. Right. So it's seen in a really negative light. And yet, as human beings, these are all facets. So you're, you're dead right is, is it that it's basic needs aren't being met? So I need a drink, I need a break, I need to sleep, I'm overtired. Um, or is it that it's a big event coming up that's um, activating that? Or is it that it's accumulative where it's small things that happen every day and over a period of time, we're starting to feel more tired, more stress, more breakdown. And then that's when you're getting into, um, you know, the, the sort of danger zone mm -hmm. of chronic fatigue because there's a link between what they call the HPA axis. So it's the different system in the body that starts to influence um, the immune system. And over time, you can end up with exhaustion and fatigue. Mm -hmm. And even when the stress, uh, external stress has been removed, our system is so uh, depleted through this constant, uh, it's a bit like overworking a car in a way, through this constant external thing that's going on, well, and internal stuff, because it's all internal thoughts, they can actually affect the functioning that links with the thyroid, you know, the uh, all the different systems in the body, and they end up just getting really depleted. And it was something that I found out about for you, because I've had burnout twice, mm -hmm. um, and significant burnout to the point that I have just not been able to stay awake during the day. I have been so felt exhausted. And they were after um, two really, uh, what I felt were big bouts of stress one was having a, a child that was sick all the time and running from hospital to hospital and doing that for a number of years that even when his health improved you know I um, the body then seems to know because part of you says hang on a minute you know I was stressed then and I'm not now well the body just seems to be able to let go and at that moment in time it's quite common that you then are ill and we see that with teachers in schools they do fine for six weeks and then they crash uh, you know when it's their summer holidays because they've just been at it and at it and at it and on the go and on the go and this is one of the dangers uh, a bit like I think 
very early on when we started talking um with colleagues they're stressed they can't read the documents they're getting overwhelmed too much information and then they work even harder <laughs> to try and get more fitted in whereas actually when you sit back and you take some breaths go for a walk and they sound like really twee things but they are really that's significant. the beauty of it is the simplicity mm. of this existence is what is going to bring you back to your truest nature and that truest nature is not stressed out that truest nature is not overwhelmed that truest mm. nature is not angry and it is the simple things like even if you need to look at a you know a color if you're mad and start looking at the color yellow it'll probably make you happy you know or go put your bare free feet on the ground if, if you can yeah you know that will change everything if you can't do that you know put on a pair of shoes and go walk up and down the block or go to your backyard if you have one or go sit on your porch if you have one there you know open some windows there's very simple ways to to open that, to free the energetic space back up. Yeah, yeah. And even just, whether it's respite or just the space. And I think before we started recording tonight, we were we were having a conversation because like you said last week, we don't really prepare for these, um, even though we said we plan all the time. We don't really prepare for these. We might have an idea, a vague idea of what we want to discuss, but just naturally you were sharing something about your uh, weekend trip away. Mm -hmm. And I wondered without going into sort of the, the detail of it all, if I could talk you through an exercise which people might um also like to do because you can do it yourself once you know how to do it yeah, um your tool then yeah so this is something that comes from uh from nlp mostly where i learned it neuro-linguistic programming but it's got tenants of cbt in it it's got a bit of uh, hypnosis in it so when i worked in schools with kids it wasn't you know i wasn't applying hypnosis um it was more to, it was more to do with stress management was but, this with the dinosaur boss <laughs> or is this the gnat i swallowed <laughs> so um so this is an this is a nice way to start uh understanding how you can utilize your brain in a more effective way because the ideas that you have for your brain will elicit certain responses in the body and different responses have been shown in research to activate different chemicals in the system so we are literally able to influence the chemical composition in our bodies and the emotional responses that we have um, and that can be done fairly effortless it's sometimes really surprising how easy it is what gets us in a bit of a, a, a stuck point is our perception about what's possible mm. so when we drop all ideas about what we think can happen and can't happen um and open ourselves up to experience something then that's when the magic occurs sounds like a little bit of faith yeah so faith um faith can sit within inside a religious framework or not but it doesn't have to be religious that's for sure <laughs> exactly so um, holding hope for people and clients starting to experience hope is one of the precursors to actually things turning for the better. When people start to feel hopeless, you know, 
then we've got to help them see that there's something uh, within themselves or their environment that is actually worth living for because hope is about reaching for something better than where you're at and we don't even know where that is so if someone is in a really stuck place at the moment they need to get some support it's not about there being anything wrong with you and you know you're you're mentally insane or anything this is just about getting assistance when our brains aren't working at their best I mean we use an assistant to get us in to from point a to point b with a map you know, this is simply somebody that has studied the mapping of brains and has an idea of what works and what is successful through, you know, consistent trial and error in a, in a grand scale. So there's nothing shameful. There's nothing that we need to be considerate of beyond ourselves. And when it's time for that help, you don't have to be stronger or whatever that the, the verbiage is for yourself to know that it's okay to ask for help from a, exactly. a licensed person that whose job is here to help you unravel the mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's what they're doing. This is, it's beautiful work and it's, it's necessary. I think everybody should at least hit therapy, even, even if they never had anything major happen to them at least once, because it's good to get it out and to, and to see yourself in a reflection of a person who has nothing in the game. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing is, you know, when we were training this therapist, um, you know, we would go into therapy ourselves and initially it's like, oh, you know, when we'd, we'd all have a bit of a moan, do we have to be in therapy? And also, it, it you know, it can cost a bit to do that. But yeah. um, over time, uh, as time went on, then I actively pursued doing that because what I realized is it's great. You can have the best bunch of mates on the planet um, and they'll be rooting for you and they might be really supportive. But actually, sometimes having a space where somebody doesn't know you because you can, you know, that space is yours then to share whatever's going on. So you can go in there just to get the space or you can say, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And I want some tools and techniques to help me move forward. Or this is what I'm experiencing right now. And I don't understand it, but it keeps happening time and time again. And then that's triggers. And sometimes that's where it is useful to unpack the past a little bit. Living in the past is not useful and only looking at the future isn't useful, but different people need different things at different times. So what I'm going to sort of talk you through in a moment is, is a technique that you can apply to pretty much anything but it's really just again like I said harnessing the the faculty of the mind in a more effective way so this isn't necessarily something you're going to do when you're walking out in front of a car or a dinosaur comes around the corner what you need (laughs) (laughs) what you need at that point is is to move fast you know that's why we've got that but if there are situations that are going on a a day-to-day basis uh, or big things coming up and you find yourself spending way too much time in the stress zone Mm -hmm. then you have to actively pursue some of the things that we've already indicated but here's an example of sort of how how we can uh, do that so first of all what's useful is to recognize on a mental scale, I'm not going to ask you for any content. And this is the beauty of this approach. You don't need a story or a narrative. I'm just going to say to you, in your mind, scale between 0 and 10, how you feel at the moment. And 10 is feeling brilliant and 0 is feeling rubbish. 
Now, it doesn't matter where you are. Don't tell me. Just log it. Okay. So I want you to park that for a moment. Now I want you to just focus on your breath. And if you ever have found a calm place and a peaceful place or a place where you can just breathe without any interruptions, then just be in that place, just be in this moment so you're safe, you're in a building where there are walls and it's solid and it's safe. And so people need to know that where they're sat and what's going on in that moment when you're doing this is in a safe space and that you might not even get interrupted for the next 20 or 30 minutes. And you can do this within a minute or you can spend a lot longer. Once you start to realize what the process is about, you can actually live here for a bit longer and enjoy it. So just focus on your breath. Notice where your breath is going. Breathe in and take your breath lower past your lungs and right down, down your spine into the floor. So this is just to ground whatever sort of dissipated energy is around at the moment because we're talking about stress and we're now remembering events where we were stressful. So this is just to bring you back in the present. Now, again, Danielle, you're not going to tell me the content of what is going through your mind, but I'm just going to ask you uh, to, sw to switch different ways of thinking. So now I want you to bring up, I, re I remember you were telling me about something that happened at the weekend that there were some lovely, beautiful things that went on, but there were also a couple of experiences that you had. And I want you to just go back to that, uh, that time point and remember those experiences and see what you're seeing and feel what you're feeling. Notice what you notice, notice what thoughts come in, what's happening in your body. And then what starts to happen next? So just notice that. So notice where you've moved on that scale. If you move further up towards feeling great or if you move further down. So when you can feel that, not exactly the same as what it was at that point, but when you can feel that enough where you know that that's not pleasant feelings and it's not comfortable, just let me know, just nod. Okay. So now what I want you to imagine is actually that you're going to park everything that you've just thought and you're going to park it to the back of the room somewhere and you're going to just leave it there and you can attend to it later if you choose to do so. But you might actually choose to just allow that to let, to let that go it might be that you're letting go an experience that has done its time had its lessons reminded you of how you need to be as a person so that you can elicit a more fulfilling happier life with very few of these occasions so you can let that go if you choose to later then move into the zone where you were telling me about the scenery the beautiful scenery, the smells that you smell. The sun was on your face. The air was cool. Somehow, just in that part of the country, you got the best weather ever. So you've shared with me already an experience and I'm utilising the information that you shared with me. 
So I think you said there were lots of rose bushes and even the place was called Rose Rose House or Rose Garden. And that you got a really strong sense of the um, perfume that was being released from all the flowers. And just imagine that all of those feelings that you're feeling now, you're magnifying them. You could even have a dial in your mind and imagine that there's numbers on the dial and notice what number it is at the moment and turn that dial right up, magnify that feeling. That's right. Just make that stronger and stronger and allow that feeling to really expand in your system. So if anyone was listening to this right now, they could be doing the same. So they're remembering that really nice, pleasant afternoon or evening. And it might be that you were with people. It might be that you was on your own. But you remember what you smell, what you saw. If you were with people, what you saw, who you came into contact with. But just immerse yourself in the most exquisite experience. And just allow, imagine that every cell in your body is really getting a taste of this. So for a moment, I'm going to ask you to park that feeling as well. So I want you to park that into another side of the room. And I want you to go back to the feeling that we were first calling back of the experience that didn't feel so nice. And what you saw and what you felt and notice where you are, what happens to the number on the scale. But there's something that's changed in that process because when you were immersing yourself with the beautiful sensations and the flowers and the perfume and the sun on your face, even when you recall this experience back, it may be that you notice that it just seems tinier. It just seems smaller. You can't grasp it in the same way. It's there. You know that this happened but it isn't really eliciting anything like the same response that it did because there's a bigger part of you, the real you that is in grace and peace and calm that smells those beautiful scents and flowers and feels the sun on your face that notices this other aspect that has been elicited. But you can kind of say, well, it's okay here too. You have that experience and you can even show compassion to that part of yourself that in the moment experienced something that drew you away from what feels good, that drew you away from the calm and peace or joy or playfulness, whatever the experiences that you want to have. So you can look at that and then imagine that the scene that you're seeing in your mind's eye or the experience that you're having physically is getting smaller. So it's a bit like with the old fashioned TVs, we used to be able to change the shape of the picture and we could make that picture smaller and we could even make the sound go really quiet. We can't even really hear what's going on there. And we see this picture moving further and further away, further away, right back somewhere else. And if anybody who's listening finds it difficult to do that, 
then there might be some you can ask yourself is there something in that that I still need to learn is there something about that stay there so move that further away and now I want you to go and notice that sensation again of the flowers and the scents and the roses and you're taking in a deep breath oh wow what is it like on those days where you're just feeling utter flow or joy and imagine now that that is consuming all of you that anything at all that isn't of that isn't even with you now that you can even if your brain is struggling to comprehend how that's not true you can make it true you can tell your brain that it's true so you can release that image or picture and move that right into a completely different zone. And you can go into your heart and send that experience love, but you can really magnify the experience of the roses. Now, what I'm noticing with you, it looks like the dial on that has been turned very high. I'm trying to contain a giggle because yes. it put me, I had bought a bunch of bubbles. I, my inner child was calling, what can I say? Yeah. And in that roses and the sun and this and that, the bubbles came and the bubbles go, hee, and they're giggling at me. And, and then the negative part of the experience, I became like this tiny little slip of paper, just like the smallest piece of paper you've ever seen. And they, I just tossed it into the bubbles and it goes, bloop, <laughs> and it just started <laughs> giggling and Oh, that was a beautiful, that was beautiful, Mel, because I, even when I tried to go back and focus again, right before it, we shrunk it, it was like, it got harder remember, to do. Yeah. You remember like Charlie Brown or Snoopy? Yeah. I can't remember. And it would be like, wah, 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 yeah. wah. Charlie Brown, <laughs> That's all yeah. I could hear. I saw the face and, <laughs> and then it was just wah, wah, wah. And then it was like <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> so... And that's brilliant because yeah. I I haven't asked you what to create. I just utilized an experience mm -hmm. you've already had. What this helps people realize is that you're not currently in that place in, uh, where was it you went? Oh, I was in the beautiful St. Charles, Missouri, right outside of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was at the weekend. You're not there now. But our brains can't tell really the difference between what's true and not true. So this is why we have to really harness how to utilize them. So you had an experience that you were able to bring back. And you don't have to tell me what it was, but you give it a number when I said, where is it on the scale? So the original number I was at was an eight when I felt it only because you and I had had this conversation a little bit prior it dropped me down to a six, but then my head let me know that I was at a four mm. when I was there. And we're like, well, you're probably, when you were in the moment, it was probably more of a four. Right. And then, okay. Yeah. And it jumped me back to, it jumped me to a nine from the, the eight that I started this process with. And then when you had me revisit it, it was like a seven, 7.5. It was sitting somewhere between seven, eight. So there really wasn't a wasn't the same uh, potency and, around it. Yeah. Ah, exactly. Yeah. And then it just shot off the scale as soon as I threw the piece of paper into the bubbles. 
and it went bloop. <laughs> and then it was just what's, like off the chart happy. Because what's interesting is is your system has come up now with um with an approach that I didn't have to ask you to do. All I've asked you to do is to bring that memory forward where it wasn't feeling so good, then push that memory back into the corner corner of the room, symbolically, metaphorically, visually, whichever way we work, then pull the memory forward of the really joyful, lovely experience you had. Now, for some people, we might have to do that several times. But what we're already showing is how powerful the brain is, how when I get you to imagine a dial or a scale, you can do that. I'm not, I've not drawn it. I've not shown you anything. And you can give that a number in terms of how comfortable or uncomfortable that was. And then when you keep pulling back the process of it felt really good, what we've now teaching the brain is that this, we've given it almost like a new neural pathway. This now can feel really good. It feels like you put bubble wrap around the ouch. Mm. Does that make sense? Like I had such an amazing experience that be, to be focused on the one thing that wasn't amazing and this totally amazing serious experience, you know, it's so, I hate, I I don't like that. I don't like being focused on the negative. Um, I have a tendency to be in that zone and, and really have to fight my way into the positive side of it. So now you've just given me a way of putting bubble wrap, you know, and then I even got, you know, again, I'm not a visual person. So when I do get the visual part of it on occasion, it's really beautiful because they literally just showed my face looking at me and me hugging me and saying, that's okay it's okay to feel those feelings. You were okay. Yes. And, and then, and then she was fine and then we're dancing and I'm having bubbles and there's all this fun stuff and it's beautiful. And, and so now, now I have a tool in my belt that I didn't have before because now I have bubble wrap around this one icky feeling so now, and it's surrounded in roses and the smells and mm. these, you know, all of these fun things that I had, you know, had and it's just that one little thing it might be somewhere in the middle to the left somewhere but I'm not looking for it anymore well number one it's um it's going to happen to a lot of people where there can be one small thing looks small that happens and it captivates us and grabs our attention because that usually means it's a trigger and there's something deeper going on Mm -hmm. because if I said to you are you worried about the table in the room you'd be like what you know what are you on about the table or do you worry about the plant pot you know we don't we don't give them any value or significance but we'll give things value when we're triggered mm-hmm. and so that's not wrong and that's what happens and that's the way the brain works because you were drawn your brain is drawn towards trying to clear up something that makes you feel unsafe therefore it's taken your focus there but yeah. we can get in the habit of only going there so it's not wrong to do that and that will happen but what this is about is okay now we've learned why was I feeling what I was feeling what was that about um what do I need to do different is this about my boundaries is this about my relationship with this person or thing or experience and we can unpack that a little bit in a non-judgmental way in a compassionate way take what we need from that and then try that process. Now, 
if people aren't used to using processes at all, there's some brilliant guided visualization tools uh, online. This has got an element. Um, what makes it so powerful as well is because I'm harnessing all your memories. I'm not asking you to remember anything from my perspective. I'm harnessing the gift that you've already got within you to elicit feelings that actually, again, we're at the weekend. Now, that's a really powerful gift is that just as anxious people overthink the future, um, people who get stuck in the past are overthinking the past. This is a tool that gives you something right in the present that you can draw in. Now, if you kept feeling that your brain was being locked back towards that situation, then it might require a bit more work. And sometimes there's other processes that you can use. But what was beautiful about that is I didn't tell you to see it as a piece of paper and wrap it up and throw it in the bin. Mm -hmm. Your brain has now realized, actually, what I can do is let this go, throw that away. Once you've done it once, it's then very empowering that once you've got a tool that you can use that makes a difference, it's quite simple. And what's nice about this is, if we do these things before bedtime, rather than procrastinating or going over the same things that we think we did wrong or got wrong or they did wrong, we need to dive into. And if you've not had an experience for 10 years, that's felt great. You've got to find one. You've got to find an image you like. You've got to find a holiday picture that you want to uh, go to, even if you've never been there. You've got to find something to focus on and that's your focus before you go to bed it will change the way you sleep it'll change the way you dream it'll change the way you wake up the next day how you prepare yourself the night before makes a massive difference to how you are the next day so um yeah so that's a tool that people can try if they want to add a bit of music and they want to color what the process was like for them it'd be really interesting to see uh, how people do that so thank you for being our live um uh, guinea pig, I guess is a. I'll be your guinea pig all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess in terms of talking about stress, um, we are going to do a session. I think we talked about on top tips, um, which we're going to go through loads of different processes that people can try. And the whole point of this is you find something that you try, and if it feels like something that you like and you want to apply more then do it if not try something else so these are just uh, lots of different ways lots of different tools that people can use to shift them out of what is a very simple approach of going from not feeling okay to feeling more okay but for tonight um thank you again danielle for your your time and company and i think we're going to wrap this up well, I really did enjoy it. And thank you again for introducing a new tool. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Until next time. Until next time.